challenge you with four statements. You want to write these down. The world is built on these four statements. Find a need and meet it. Find a need and meet it. It's number one. Number two, find a hurt and heal it. Right? Find a hurt and heal it. Number three, find a desire and fill it. Find a desire and fill it. Number four, find a problem and solve it. Okay, find a problem and solve it. So Daisy's writing them down in case you didn't get them. So these four principles have made rich people very rich in the physical world, right? God fulfills all four of these by himself. And it's not a product. It's not a service. It's what? His nature. Comes through relationship. Right? So if I want to start a business, what am I looking at? Number one, number three, and number four. Hospitals fit in number two. Right? Psychology fits in number two. You see what I'm saying? This is how the world works. How many of you go to the store and buy stuff? Right? And that's probably everybody. <laughs> and so you see, unless you're just growing all your food by yourself and producing your own energy, you know, your electricity and, and doing all these things on your own, you, somebody's doing one of these for you every day. Every day. Right? That's what I'm saying. This is what the world's built on. So looking at God's nature, he fulfills all four of these. But he still uses the world. Okay? Real quick. Let me give you four principles that go along with these. Yeah, you can erase those. And it's, this comes under understanding the value that God places on us. So he places on us, then he places on other people as well, right? Because as we went over the first day, God shows no partiality. So, number one, we will heal them rather than bruise them. We will heal them rather than bruise them. Number two, we will lift them rather than put them down. We will lift them rather than put them down. Lift them rather than put them down. Number three, esteem them rather than demean them. Esteem them rather than demean them. Esteem rather than demean. Forgive them rather than judge them is number four. Number four is forgive them rather than judge them. Forgive them rather than judge them. Demean. It's the second one. E-A-N. Yeah, I mean. So let's talk about these for a second. All right? Number one. So we will, this is people, right? We will heal them rather than bruise them. Give me some examples of people bruising other people. 
By force? By words? Yes, yes. You can hurt people, right, with your words? Saying negative things? What else? By, by action? If somebody asks for help, when you can help and you choose not to, right? Okay. What else? It's another way we bruise people. Do what? Physically by beating them. It's been known to happen, believe it or not. Yeah, I'm telling you. All right, number two. Lift them rather than put them down. Give me examples of words that you've heard. Maybe from yourself. Don't give yourself away. Maybe from yourself, but maybe from somebody else. That puts people down. What's a phrase that puts people down? You cannot do. Yeah. You're a failure? Yeah. Okay. You're worthless? You're useless? Okay. Good for nothing? Okay. Careless? Okay. What else? You're, oh, you're an idiot? Yeah? yeah? People say that, right? You leaving them? Words, words. Words that put down. I don't like you, right? You're a sinner? Okay. You are a sinner. <laughs> okay? I think most people know when they are a sinner. Right? Number three. Demean. What does demean mean? What? Demean. Demean. Cheapening their worth. Perfect. What are ways we cheapen somebody's worth? Sounds very repetitious, right? It's a lot of the same stuff. But I'm just showing you how we tear people down on a regular basis without even realizing it because that's what the world has taught us. It's not what we're supposed to do. We even allow people to walk around us demeaning themselves and we don't do anything about it. Now, if we're truly the justice of God, the righteousness of God, we wouldn't stand for it because we're not going to stand and let an injustice be spoken out. You see what I'm saying? Yes, no, maybe so. Talking, I can see you're still getting used to my accent. <laughs> it's okay. You'll, you'll, you'll start understanding the more we go on. And it's recorded, so that helps. <laughs> so... We do this on a regular basis, and it doesn't benefit the hearers. Ephesians 4.29, what does it say? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, except that which is good for the use of edification, that it may minister grace to its hearers. Right? So when you think about it, What's coming out of your mouth? James put it, you can't let bitter water and sweet water come out of the same fountain. They don't mix. As soon as bitter water touches sweet water, it becomes bitter. So what are you known for? Are you, are you known for speaking curses or are you known for speaking blessing? It's just a good question. Number four, forgive rather than judge. The easiest one and the hardest one, right? You know what I'm talking about? Especially when it's against you. 
Yes, brother, but you don't understand. Oh, I understand. I've been slandered. I've been called names. I've been ostracized. All kinds of stuff. Not to a small group of people. To tens of thousands of people. Does it bother me? It did at first. I'm just being honest. It did. And I realized part of Anthony's still alive. I need to nail him to the cross. And he's dead. Therefore, he's not talking, they're not talking about me. They're talking about Jesus. They gotta take it up with Jesus. Right? Changes the whole mindset. When somebody trying to persecute me, they're not persecuting me. They don't see me. How do I know this? Paul, right? He was persecuting Christians. What happened on the road to Damascus? Why are you persecuting me? He didn't say, why are you persecuting my body? He said, why are you persecuting me? The devil doesn't see you. He only sees Jesus. It's very simple. So we forgive rather than judge. Now this is a paradox. So turn in, turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 5, verse 12. Yeah, go ahead and read verse 13. So it's saying those in the church, we're supposed to judge. Those outside the church, we don't judge. God judges them. So how does this work? What about Matthew 7, 1? What does it say in Matthew 7, 1? Do not judge, so, you, so you're not judged. But doesn't that seem like it's contradicting itself? We're supposed to judge in the church, but do you want to know what div rightly divides this? Is when you forgive and you don't judge, okay? The word judge, there's, there's several applications for the word judge. And we're not supposed to condemn people to hell when we judge. Are we supposed to judge the fruit of the tree? Yes, we are. So we look at the context of 1 Corinthians 5. He's talking about a guy who's sleeping with his mother-in-law. Or, no, no, stepmother, sorry, stepmother. And he's saying, purge that person from among you. It's not even named among the heathen. So you see, what they're doing and what they're living in is sin. If we continue, if we even back up a little bit in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 5, you'll see it says, don't even associate with a brother who's living in immoral sin, sexual, um, immoral, what is it called? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, an immoral relationship and claiming to be a brother. Why? Because you can see the church today, there's sins that nobody wants to talk about. But yet, we're allowing them to live in sin, and we're lowering the standard when Jesus was raising the standard. How did Jesus raise the standard? Anybody know? Yeah. He says, it is said, if you commit adultery, the act of committing adultery is sin. He says, but I tell you, even to look at a woman to lust after her, you have committed adultery in your heart. So what did he do? He took this down here and went whoop. He raised the standard. So Jesus didn't come to make it easier. He made it harder for somebody who's carnal and trying to think out of their flesh. Right? He made it super hard. But when you get the understanding of the nature of God that's in you, sin falls off because you don't pay attention to sin. You don't even focus on sin anymore because you're so focused 
on the very nature of God. I had a friend, he was like, you mean you don't sin? I was like, I've been so busy doing my father's business, I had time to think about sin. Why would I make room for the devil? Give no place to the devil. Don't give place to temptation. So if I know I'm going to be at a place where there might be some temptation, what do I do? I find a way to remove temptation. And for me, it's very easy. I start listening to teachings. I start listening to worship songs. Because then your own mind will condemn you if you try to go a different direction. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I can't believe this thought's trying to enter my mind. And understand, the devil's the one putting thoughts in your mind, trying to tempt you to, to, to latch onto it and continue thinking about it. So if a, a thought comes into your head, you say, nope, it's not me. It's not my nature. What do you think is going to happen? It falls off. It goes away. No big deal. Because you are anointed with the Holy Spirit, and where the Holy Spirit is, liberty. Complete freedom. Freedom from the bondage and the sin that once beset us. That no longer has a hold on us because we are dead. And if you're dead, it's brought sin to nothing. But we're alive in Christ Jesus, and we're able to walk in the newness of life. You see this? See how it ties together? So let's, let's fast forward a little bit, and let's look at the life of Jesus. It says, Jesus showed, God, showed us God by what happened to people who came in contact with him. Right? He showed us what the Father's like by the people who came in contact with him, the works that he did. We go to John 14. What happens? Philip is the one who is asking questions. He should have been a reporter. I'm telling you, he's really good asking questions. He said, show us the Father. Philip, you've been with me all this time? You understand that when you see me, you see the Father? And the works that I do, I don't do it myself. But the Father in me does the works? What is he saying? Let's put in nature there. When you see me, don't you see the nature of God? It's not my works. It's his works. It's his nature that has done these things. Right? So it's, so it's no longer for you to perform dominion and authority, it naturally flows out of you to impact people. So did Jesus have to struggle and strive and just to squeeze a little bit of life out of himself to raise the dead? Maybe a vein was sticking out in his neck when he was saying, get up and walk. No. Right? He wasn't straight. He didn't have a big old vein in the middle of his head where he's like, because it shows that you don't have no power at all. Because you're straining to make it happen. You have no real authority at all. Does the king have to yell or just say a command? He can whisper it, and it's written into law. Right? So you choose how you say things. If you want to yell, then yell. But it's not in the yelling that produces the power. It's God's nature in you that produces the power. You understand this? You choose how to do this. There's a church in uh, Brazil. They do some crazy stuff. They figure out well, we're going to bless water and sell water to people for a ridiculous price because it'll heal them. Is that biblical? No, why? 
Freely you have received, freely give. And that's how Jesus, when he came in contact with people, he gave it freely. There's a lot of this going on in the world right now. They're charging for what Jesus paid so dearly for. And they're going to be held accountable for that. So how do you judge that? Anybody? How do you judge that? You expose it? How? That is wrong over there. That's wrong. How do you how do you how do you expose it? You demonstrate the right way. When people want to figure out how how to find counterfeit money, what do they do? They study all the wrong ones or they study the genuine one? The genuine one. Right? So that's why you need to rise up. The body of Christ needs you to rise up and demonstrate true godly nature, true godly character. We don't have time to take our time growing up. The body of Christ needs you today. He needs you now. So, we show what God is like in our lives by what happens to people who come in contact with us. Right? If you don't understand the very nature of God, what do you think is going to happen? You will give people false hope. You will. We've seen it. Well-meaning people. I've even done it at one time or another. Gave people false hope. Because I was trying to do it out of my flesh. I was trying to do it out of my own soul to make things happen. Because I thought I knew better than God. Now understand what I'm saying. Does God want them healed 100% of the time? Yes. Is it his will to heal them 100% of the time? Yes. So if that's the case, then what was getting in the way? Me. I was getting in the way. We can go back and we can look at the, the kindness of God, and that's what I told you I would talk about eventually. We go back and look at the kindness of God. Let's look at Gideon, for instance. Gideon, he's over there hiding his food in a wine press. So it's obviously not the season for wine. And he's hiding his food there because they kept getting robbed by the, another country, the Philistines. Right? What does God do? God shows up, says, hey, mighty warrior. <laughs> mighty warrior? I really got a pitchfork. Right? Isn't that what happened? He's like, well, if you're really God, then um, let me put out this lamb fleece and let, let me wake up tomorrow and let there be dew on it and none on the ground. And it happens. Well, if that's true, then um, let there be dew all over the ground but not on the fleece. It happens, right? So he was trying to find excuses every way he could to back out of what God was calling him to do. God still had grace and mercy on him. You see this? And then he's like, call the men together. And they raised an army of 30,000 people. And they were still about two to one, three to one. They were outmanned, outarmed, right? Because they didn't have the weapons. They didn't have the armor. And what? God's in heaven nudging his angels. Hey, look at these guys. If we let them win right now, they're going to think they're so awesome because they killed three guys to one. No. Hey, Gideon. So anybody who wants to go home, they can go home. And it was like the church parking lot. All you smell was burnt rubber 
from the cars leaving the place. Right? And he's left with 3,000 men and he's scratching his head. God, we had 30,000. Now we're down to three. And God's still looking at his name. So he's like, well, if we let them win like this, they're still going to think it was them. This was playing on Gideon's soul. You know it was. Because you know it would be playing on your soul. God, can we really win with 3,000 people? Are you serious? And he goes, hey, Gideon, take them to the water. Watch how they drink. He's left with 300 men. 300 men. What am I supposed to do with 300 men? Herd their camels? Right? So he's like, God, I need to know this is you. Because this is ridiculous. 300 men against like 60, 70,000. I can't remember how many men the, the enemy had, but it was a ridiculous amount. Against 300. Right? And so he happens to go outside. The, he goes in the middle of the night. He sneaks into the enemy's camp. And so happens to land himself outside a tent where this guy wakes up from a nightmare. Oh, oh. And his friend's like, what happened? Are you okay? What's going on? He's like, I had a dream. I had a dream. This large piece of bread comes rolling down the hill and crushes right through our camp. And his friend, some genius, right, goes, oh, that's the sword of Gideon. He's going to kill us all. Right? And it says that Gideon, in that moment, he doesn't get out of there. He bows down before God. And he worships God. Could have gotten caught. He was outside somebody who didn't, that was awake. And he worshiped God in the middle of it all. So he pushed past his own soul. He pushed past the fear and everything else and decided, I'm going to believe God over what I'm seeing. So he goes back. He ranges his men. Doesn't even give them weapons. What does he give them? He gives them a light in one side and a jar in another. Right? And a trumpet. And they surround them on three sides, blow their, their horns and smash their pots, and then start running into the camp. Cause create, create a chaos. Right? They're killing each other. They don't know who's on whose side. And they spent weeks picking up all the spoils of the defeated army. This is our God. Because when you try to rely on yourself, you will fail every time. You'll fall victim to the devil every time. But you, when you rely on God, he says that God is looking for people on which he can show himself strong. He's talking about you. He's talking about me. And all you have to do is rely on him. I'm telling you, going into places and seeing all these people healed, every single person healed, it starts messing with your mind. God, I didn't work hard enough for this. I didn't study enough. I didn't pray enough. I didn't fast enough. And he's like, exactly. It has zero to do with you and everything to do with Jesus Christ and what he accomplished. I was like, man, truly, his burden is easy and his yoke is light. So I didn't have to fulfill the law. He did, right? He did. So look at this. We're in Brazil and we're having a healing service and we trained over 120, 130 people, right? They went to the streets with us. I mean, incredible stuff happened on the streets. And so... I turned them loose on about 300 people who came for prayer. It's miracle mayhem. People are getting healed everywhere. People coming out of walkers. I mean, people are throwing, around, throwing down canes. 
There's all kinds of stuff going on. And I told my team, I was like, we're not going to pray for anybody except for people who don't get healed. Right? So we're standing up there, and we're watching all these people get set free, one after another. It's humbling. It's not like, move out of the way, let me show you how it's done. No. It's watching God at work. And so, finally, there was, I prayed for about 10 people that whole night out of 300. 10 people. I hopped down, and they bring me this guy who has um, anemia, right? Super weak, can't move his arm. Pray for him. He gets movement of his arm. He gets strength back immediately. And he was like, what'd you do to me? I said, I didn't do anything to you. Jesus did this to you. He healed your body. I didn't take a beating for you. Jesus did. And it says, by his stripes you are healed. This guy's blown away. And then all of a sudden, they pull me over here. Pray for this other person who was blind. Immediately, their eyes open. And then they pulled me over here, and they're like, pray for this person. I prayed for them. They're completely healed. They're crying. They're, they're all hugging each other. And I'm like, okay. And then somebody else taps me. I need you to come over here. I was like, okay. We walk around the side. Walked over. They bring me this little kid, five years old. He's got glasses on. He's got a patch over his, his, his right eye. And I was like, and they, they was like, what's wrong? He's like, he's blind in his left eye. I go, but he's got a patch over his right eye. Yes, he had corrective surgery for his eye at five. And he's like, but he's blind in his left eye? He's like, he's blind in his left eye. So okay. So I kneel down and say, can I have your hand? And he's going like this. So I grab his hand. He said, right now, in Jesus' name, I, you open, you work, you function perfectly. In the name of Jesus. I let go. All of a sudden, I open my eyes, I look at the guy, and he's like this. He's looking around. He's looking around everywhere. He won't respond to the translator, because it's in Portuguese, right? He won't respond to the translator. And so I look at the translator, he says, what do you want me to do? I go, ask the mom to ask the son what's going on. And about that time, the father steps into the scene, because he saw me praying for his son. And all of a sudden... It was so awesome, right? We see, oh, tension over here, tension over here, right? All of a sudden, the, the mom asked him, what's going on? He said, mom, I can see everything. And the dad breaks. He's bawling his eyes out. And I was like, come here, come here. And he was like, let me bless you one more time. And I said, right now, in Jesus' name, other eye, you be completely healed and whole. And they thanked me. I got up. I walked over because they pulled me to another person. Another person had a broken leg. So, um, uh, it was a right leg. Her femur was, was fractured because she fell down. She was an older lady. And I was like, okay, like, um, what's going on? And they're trying to get her up to walk. And you can see the pain all over her face. Like, no, 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 no. Get rid of the pain first, then get her to walk. And I said, oh, okay. So I sat her back down. I said, ma'am, you have a lot of pain. She says, yes, I have a lot of pain. I was like, just give me your hand. She gave me her hand. I'm just holding her hand. All the pain leaves completely. She starts prophesying. It's not a normal reaction you get, right? She starts prophesying. I'm like, okay, I guess it's done. She's like, yes, I'm healed. And she's moving her legs. She's moving around. And I turn, and the son goes, can you pray for me next? Yeah, sure. Well, you weren't asking for a prayer before. What happened? He's like, well, I can't move my shoulder. And he could just move his arm like this because it was catching in his, in his rotator cuff. So, okay, well, that's easy. Just... I put my hand on him. I pray a couple times. Completely set free. Then he's like, can you pray for my wife? Sure. I mean, he basically called all these people over and started praying for them, and they're being healed one after another. 
And then so this became the norm. This became the regular. As we go to the different churches, we would say, okay, anybody who needs healing, come forward. I would pray for them, and they're being healed. And then I would say, okay, that this one church, and we have it all in video, I pray for three people. They're all healed. And I come up to this little kid who's having gastric problems in his stomach. There's a lot of pain. I pray for him, instantly healed. I, I brought him. I said, turn around, turn around. You're going to help me pray. He's like, really? I said, like, yes, you're going to help me pray. He was, he was so excited. I was like, okay. I go, just do what I'm telling you. Just grab their hands and say, be healed in Jesus' name. Turn around. They said, be healed in Jesus' name. Person was healed, scolorosis. Next person was healed of, of a bad surgery in their lower back. Completely healed. Next person had like issues, a hernia or something like that in, in the, in, um, it wasn't a hernia, what was it? It was misplaced disc in the back. And um, she was healed. So this is some serious stuff. She was, I felt the bones move back into place. That does not happen, right, doctors? Doesn't happen. And so it was very interesting just watching God use this seven, eight-year-old to heal five or six people in front of the pastor. <laughs> Talk about humbling. All the adults are sitting there like, what does he know? He doesn't have all the doctrine, right? That's why he was able to, to do it so easily. Then I grabbed the pastor. I said, you saw how easy that was? She said, yes. I said, okay, you're going to pray now. She started praying for people. They're getting healed. Actually, the first person she prayed for, the person had a demon. The demon came out, and she was completely set free. And so, like, I finished praying for everybody else, and everybody else, 23 people, all healed. We go to the next place. Same thing, all healed. Go to the next place, all healed. Then I went to this one church, started praying for people. They're getting healed, coming off crutches. I mean, different stuff. And then the pastor gets offended with me and shuts it down. Because I was telling him how to pray. So you see, there's still religious people in the world who have a lot of pride. Don't let them bother you or, or bring you down. You represent Jesus. Stay there. Stay there. Don't get moved by any situation. People should see God in you by coming in contact with you. Period. Understand, you represent God. You represent his nature. You represent him completely as if it's him. So if he put that responsibility on you, don't you think he's giving you the power to do so as well? Absolutely. New word for you, Madonna. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Right. <laughs> Is this helping anybody? Yes, no, maybe so? So going back to this, knowing who you are, is so key, so important. But know that you're a son of God. And what's important is, the, is not that you're a son. Understand what I'm saying here? What's important is not that you're a son, but who he is. You're a son of who he is. That's important. What does it say about Jesus? He's the only begotten Son of God. Think about that. Have you ever thought about that? I think about stuff like that. I, I, I grab scriptures and I, when I talk to God about them. I'm like, hmm, what do you mean by this? He's the only begotten Son of God. He's like, well, Anthony, don't you remember? The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. Mary got pregnant. Because of my seed. So he had the very nature Right? Of me without the power. 
Because he said he emptied himself. Right? Not only that, but when you realize how Jesus operated, how he worked, if we go to Philippians 2, we see that Jesus himself had to choose to be completely obedient to the word of God. He had to make that choice on a daily basis. It wasn't like, oh, he got up and he knew God's will and he wanted to do God's will every single time and he did it out of obligation. No, he did it out of relationship, out of the nature of who he was. He didn't have to do anything. He chose to do it. And I can, I can take you through. I can show you tons of scriptures that proves that out. So you're under no obligation whatsoever to do things like lay hands on the sick. But there's the tools that God's given you. Understand what I'm saying? There's the tools he's given you to be effective for the kingdom. So is it important for you to use? Absolutely. Lay hands on the sick and you'll see them recover. It's very simple. It's not complicated at all. Just lay hands on the sick. How hard is this? So hard. So hard, right? Is that hard? I might strain a muscle, man. Just, just moving my arm like this. I'm just used to having it right here on the cell phone. No, no. This is very easy. Right now in Jesus' name, be healed. Right? Then you say, check it. Check it. <laughs> There's a three-year-old kid. Prays for people. Sees him healed. And he goes, check it. <laughs> they get healed. So what are the excuses we have? There's none. So you see God's nature, and do you know where we're going to get the manuals? Yeah. Yeah? Today or tomorrow? Today? Okay. We'll, we'll get you the manuals that I've been working on. So they're not complete, although you're going to get a pre-release, okay? Very special. Very special. Okay? Nobody else has got this. Nobody else has gotten this. So you're getting the first release of the manual we've been working on. Sharing about God's nature, and I'm still going to be adding in some chapters and stuff. But what I'm sharing with you is that. Is that his nature is what matters. His nature is where everything flows out of healing, power, authority, dominion. Everything flows out of his nature, and it's a byproduct of who God is. It's not the main thing. We just, because we can, like, like I said, we can look at officers in the city. Do they have the best interests of, the, of the, the city at heart 100% of the time? No. Let's look at employees of businesses. You, has everybody worked for somebody at some point in their life? Yes? Maybe except for the, the baby boy, right? <laughs> it's for Samson, <laughs> right? So have you always had the best interest of the company at heart? No. Not always, right? Sometimes, but not always. It's for a paycheck. It's to pay your bills, your livelihood, right? Maybe you wanted some fames, right? Some honor, some glory, right? Maybe. Don't don't give yourself away. <laughs> yeah. So you see. The whole thing is, is, but if you have the very nature of God, it changes everything. Because you're not trying to attain something. You already have everything. If you already have everything, you have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ, being obedient even unto death. And choosing that. Right? Because God knows the perfect way. He knows the perfect way. He says all things are or all things are good, but not all things are expedient. Right? All things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. For a believer. 
Why? Why? Expedient means basically good. Because there's many ways to get here, right? But there's a quickest, directest way to get here, right? Depending on where you're from. What if you drove 12 hours that way, took a left, right? Drove another five hours, you had to take another left, drive back 12 hours this way to get here. Is that expedient? No, it's not at all. Right? So is it good? Yeah, if you want to see the countryside. You have plenty of gas and time. But it's not expedient. So it's the same thing with God. God wants you to be highly effective everywhere you're at. So understanding his very nature, you, you don't fall into things. And you don't do it under your own power because you understand all renewing your mind is there's people who are doing whole seminars right now. It's not just one ministry. There's a bunch of ministries now doing whole seminars on renewing your mind. There's only one scripture on it. Do you know that? Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Specifically verse 2, yeah. What's the quickest way to renew your mind? Anybody know? application application so you see the word of God and then you do it you read the word of God and then you do it you hear the word of God and then you do it very simple is that hard it's hard <laughs> I was like really <laughs> it's not hard at all it's actually very simple trusting God is the easiest thing you could ever do he did all the heavy lifting. We get to enjoy all the benefits. But it's understanding it comes from his very nature. If it comes from his nature, everything else lines up perfectly. Amen? This is something you've got to get in your mind. It's all from his nature. I have his nature. I walk out his nature everywhere I go. So if it's don't just look for healing. Look to remedy issues. Find a problem and fix it. It might require you rolling up your sleeves, building a fence, mowing a yard, cleaning stuff. Right? Or it could be, oh, now hear me. It could be, you don't have food? If I had the money, I would buy your food. But let me just bless what you have so it'll multiply. This happened to a friend of mine. She was at Walmart, right? This guy came up to her, or she saw this guy walking back and forth, and she went up to him. Sorry. And um, she said, are you okay? Do you need prayer for anything? He says, prayer? I don't need prayer. What I need is $2,000 by tomorrow morning to pay my attorney. So I have no idea where I'm going to get that money. And she's like, oh, okay, well, how about I pray for it? What do you got to lose? Oh, it's a good idea. I, I, well, I guess. Okay. So she prays for him right now in Jesus' name. $2,000 you come. You come to his pocket right now. She gave him her card and left her contact information for her church, not her personal card, for her church. And she left. He shows up on, at church on Sunday morning. He goes, I know that your God is real. Yeah. And she's like, well, I know that, but why do you say that? She goes, 45 minutes after you prayed for me, I noticed something in my pocket. So I reached into my pocket and pulled out $2,000 in cash. 
I wasn't around anybody. Nobody was able to slip it in my pocket. I would have felt it. It appeared in his pocket, $2,000 in cash. I know your God's real. He gave his life to Christ that day. You see how easy it is? Did she have to strive and make it happen? Did she go and work and empty her own bank account and do everything else she could to, to get this guy $2,000? No, she just blessed him. Very simple. This is the God we serve. We can look in the Old Testament. What happened with the, the widow and, and the son with the oil? Right, with Elijah. The oil multiplied. Multiplied, she was able to sell it. Became very rich. In the middle of a famine, if you're the only one that has oil to cook food, that makes you a very wealthy person. Right? So I'm telling you, it's just relying on God, understanding he's your source, because of his nature, he's always your source for everything. He's provider for healing. He's provider for finances. He's provider for protection. He's provider for everything. But you have to decide to make him your choice and trust him in it. It's very simple. Very, very simple. Right? My favorite word. It's very simple. <laughs> Repeat after me. It's simple. It's very simple. Just trust God. Amen? I know I've gone over. Um, we'll go ahead and take a break. And we will come back in like 20 minutes. Okay? Sound good?